Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. If you'd open up your Bibles, Luke chapter 23, we'll pick up in verse... 40, actually we'll cover verse 39 to 40. As we continue this series called The Seven Sayings from the Cross. As you might think, Pastor Chet did the intro last Sunday, there's nothing that we all need to hear that's more universally true than Father forgive me of my sin. Amen? Jesus is speaking the very final words that he will speak on this earth before he goes to heaven. And so these are important statements. They carry extra weight and meaning. All things that Jesus said were important. But these particular things are like no other things that Jesus spoke. So would you join me? We'll pray. We'll pick up in verse 39 of Luke 23. And the second saying that Jesus speaks from the cross. Father, thank you that you sent your own son into this world that the world through him might be saved. That you, Jesus, gave your very all on that cross. Nothing was held back. And Father, as we look at this second statement, Lord, assuredly, I say to you, today, you'll be with me in paradise as we ponder these words. Lord, I pray if there's anyone in your house today, if there's anyone listening online, watching, if they have any doubt about their salvation, that you would seal that forever today, that they would know today that they can be sure that they're going one day to heaven if they place their faith and hope and trust in you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Verse 39, Luke 23. And then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him. Now I want to set the stage for you because there were three crosses. It wasn't just one cross. It wasn't just Jesus. There were three crosses on Golgotha that day. There may have been more, but we're told about three. There were three condemned men. Two of them very worthy of the death penalty that they had received, at least by the law. One of them completely innocent. Here's what he said. If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. He's literally blaspheming Jesus. He's mocking him. He he believes, like so many others, that Jesus was no better than they. That Jesus was being punished for some crime. 
but the other. So here's the second criminal answering, rebuked him, saying, do you not even fear God, seeing that you were under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we've received the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. That thief actually is agreeing with the assessment of Pontius Pilate as well. Pilate said, I find no fault in this man. Jesus is not on the cross because of the Romans. Jesus is on the cross because of the Jewish religious leadership. More importantly, Jesus is on the cross because of your sin and mine. Jesus went to the cross because it was the will of God the Father to put the chastisement for our peace upon Jesus. And then Jesus, he said to Jesus, Lord, I want to be really careful here, but I want to be very specific here. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is what? Lord to the glory of God the Father. That means master, church. Every knee, every saved knee and every unsaved knee, every knee will one day know that truth. The question becomes, when do you call Jesus Lord? Not if you will call Jesus Lord, because the Bible is very specific that one day every knee will bow to Lord Jesus. This man is nailed to a Roman cross, and he says the one thing that you must say to be a true believer. Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, you can bank on it. You can take this all the way to the bank. You can go cash this check right now. I want you to know something. This is an absolute truth. You don't need to worry about it. You don't need to fret about it. Assuredly, I say to you, specifically, today, today, not after 185 years in purgatory, today, not after you spend some time soul sleeping, Today, not after you are reincarnated and you finally get it right after the 150th time of living this life, today you shall absolutely 100% today you shall be with me in paradise. Amen? 
That's a truth, church. Do you believe that? Do you believe that today? You see, because your eternity is secured by Jesus, not by you. And you can take what he says to the bank. Matter of fact, if you have believed on his name, if you've called him Lord, you are actually banking your eternity on his life. Without him, there is no eternal life that's going to be good. There is eternal life, but it's not going to be good. And so Jesus speaks a deep truth in the face of those who are standing watching and to these two men very specifically. On the south coast of China, across the Pearl River Harbor from what we call today modern-day Hong Kong, for about the last 240 years, there's been a fort up on a cliff. It was used to guard that entrance to the Pearl River. There was a cathedral built there. A typhoon wiped out the fort and most of the cathedral. And as it fell into ruins, interestingly enough, the only thing that was left was an outer retaining wall and a cross. And so for centuries, actually more than 200 years, sailors in the South China Sea as they rounded out of the Pearl River and headed along towards India to make trade, could look up and they could see that. Those waters are very deadly to this day. Typhoons sweep in from the Indian Ocean, the warmer water. And it was there in 1825 that Sir John Bowring was shipwrecked clinging to the wreckage of his ship floated along out there in the midst of this giant estuary and finally saw the one thing he needed to see. And he wasn't saved at the time. All he could see was that cross. And he wrote these words, one of 88 hymns that he would go on to author as a believer. The first stanzas, in the cross of Christ I glory, towering over the wrecks of time. All the light of sacred story gathers around its head sublime. When you have seen the real cross, when you have seen the real Christ, when you have gazed upon the glory of what the Lord has done, then your response is, Lord, save me. There were two thieves that day. There's a bigger picture because the cross of Christ as it was for that one thief, was a rescue. It was a condemnation to the other. That's the choice that remains to this day. Christ is offering salvation rich and free. He's offering eternal life to you, to your family members, to people you know at work. He's offering eternal life today. To anyone who will call him Lord. But there is an option. And the choice is yours. This is a staggering truth, church. 
It's monumental in its implications because if it's true, which I believe it is, then the choice is yours whether you want to perish or whether you want to have eternal life. Because these two thieves heard all the same things. They saw all the same things. They lived the same type of life. They lived in the same region. They lived in the same community. They went through absolutely everything in a similar way, and yet they came to very drastic, different conclusions. The first thing that we see is one of the crosses of the three was the cross of rebellion. The word here, criminal, is actually a easy word to translate because it means a doer of evil things. When we think of criminal activity, it's a doer of evil things. Amen? It pulls no punches. In other words, the scriptures declare that these men were both doers of evil things. There wasn't one that was kind of sort of got in a bad place at the wrong time and got in with the wrong people, was disadvantaged. They were both criminals. Somebody ought to say hallelujah right now. Because y'all were doers of evil things too. The only question is what kind of evil things? Not whether you are, but what kind of evil things? You see, maybe you're not a murderer. Maybe you're not a bank robber. Maybe you have never extorted money, but probably you have gossiped. Almost assuredly, you've told something that wasn't true. You lied to someone. You see, from a biblical standpoint, you're criminals. And the penalty, the wages of sin, is death. So in that sense, there may have only been three crosses at the time of Christ, but there might as well have been billions of crosses scattered across the entire region of Galilee, filled with every last person on this planet. There was a cross for you and a cross for me. Hence why John Bowring saw what he saw. The cross is a cross of glory when it's a cross of forgiveness and repentance. When it's the cross of lordship. But it's a cross of rebellion when you don't call Jesus Lord. You see, all of us are guilty. In this case, this man wasn't just a a casual criminal. He was probably a career criminal. He'd made a life out of it. And he was going to stick with that life to the end. And here's what I want to speak to you very directly, because there may be someone here who is saying right now in your heart, I don't need Jesus. I'm happy just the way I am. And you're going to say, well, I don't, I really, I'm not a criminal. Here's the problem with your logic. Criminal is defined by the Bible is you're not 100% absolutely perfect. You do not have the character of God. That's the definition of a criminal as far as salvation is concerned. So now you might want to reassess whether you're a criminal worthy of death or not. Because if you've ever told a lie, 
you're a criminal. If you've ever gossiped, you're a criminal. If you've ever had an evil thought, you're a criminal. If you've ever lusted, you're a criminal. If you've ever been guilty of materialism, you're a criminal. If you've coveted someone else's stuff, that's okay, we're all dead right now. Amen? <laughs> you're a criminal. You wanted somebody else's house. You wanted somebody else's car. I drove by a new Corvette yesterday. I was like, it was a full-on, okay, that guy needs to give that to me. (laughs) You see, our problem with understanding our need for a savior is we have the wrong definition of criminal. I'm a criminal. And that death sentence was on me. And Jesus took my crimes and he nailed them to the cross. And he paid every ounce of my debt. Amen? I was not acquitted. Jesus was punished in my place. I was not just pardoned. The full measure of my sin was laid upon him, and he died the death I deserved to die. The full penalty of all of my sin, past, present, and future, was laid on Jesus. And Jesus bore my sins on his cross. Thank you, Lord. Amen? I think sometimes we think we actually are not guilty anymore. Sometimes I think we think that we actually deserve the salvation that we have. Well, I'm better than other people now. No, I deserve death. I deserve hell. I am still a criminal. I still sin as much as I do not sin as I used to and don't want to sin at all. I still sin. I still look at Corvettes and go, oh, that's nice. I'm still a criminal. And my sin has to be paid for. And I can't pay for it myself. It's not possible. There is no righteousness in me. The righteousness that I do have is actually Christ's righteousness. So the life that I now live, I live for him. And because of him, this criminal believed that what he wanted was to just come down off that cross. I just want to get away with what I have committed. Notice what he says. He's hurling abuse. Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. In other words, get the nails out of my hands, get the nail out of my feet, get us off these crosses, If you're the Messiah, all I want from you is to get me off this cross. Can I tell you that wouldn't have fixed his problem? And it wouldn't have stopped him from being a criminal either. 
He would have been maybe a little more cautious about his crimes because he got caught. You see, this explains a lot of things when you think of it that way. Because on the cross of Jesus was a little sign called a titulus. And it was a list of the crimes for which the person being crucified was being crucified. And in Hebrew, the language of religion. In Greek, the language of commerce. And in Latin, the language of the law. His crime was Jesus Christ, King of the Jews. He was being crucified for saying he was the king of the Jews. Blasphemy. That wasn't a crime under Rome. He was falsely accused and falsely put to death. But he went anyway. This man didn't see it. All he could see was he wanted off the cross. He couldn't see what Isaiah saw in Isaiah 53. All we like sheep have gone astray. Amen? All of us have turned unto our own way. And the Lord has placed upon him, Messiah, the iniquity of us all. When people come to me and say, well, you know, I'm a good guy. I, 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 don't, deserve to, I don't deserve to go to hell. Well, I'm sorry to inform you, but I looked at your report card and it's got an F on it, spiritually. You failed the righteousness test. Because it isn't that you're better than other people. It isn't that you haven't done certain things which you deem to be worthy of death. It's are you absolutely 100% righteous as God is righteous? Because that's the requirement. And the answer is, all we like sheep. Every one of us has turned to our own way. If you've ever raised children, then you know that all human beings are selfish. Amen? Do you have to teach your children how to weasel their way into things? How about lie? Do you have to teach your children how to lie? Do you have to teach them how to be selfish? Self-centered? The answer to these questions is absolutely 100% no. You throw a hunk of cake on the floor with a bunch of two-year-olds, there's going to be death. (laughs) Someone's dying. And the cake will be scattered into little tiny pieces as they fight over who gets the big one. That's because we're born with a sin nature. We have the capacity, the desire, and ultimately, we commit sin. We were born, that's why David said, I was born in iniquity. This man hanging on a cross didn't see that. And the truth is, as the prophet Habakkuk wrote in the first chapter of his book, God's eyes are too pure to look on any sin. None. So there has to be a solution. And so what does Jesus say? You see, this man was blaspheming. He, he was going on and on and on and on. It's like, look, I, I, you know, I don't deserve to be, I should get out of this. 
And though we don't know what his thinking was, I think we can all think what his thinking might be. And that was, I'd like to live a while longer. I doubt very seriously that he thought he was guiltless. He just simply wanted to get out of the circumstance that he was currently in. And very often, that is as far as people's conviction goes. I just don't like the circumstances that I now find myself in. I don't like the fact that my marriage is a wreck. I don't like the fact I just got pulled over and got a DUI. I don't like the fact that I'm in the the middle of this circumstance. So here's what happens. Instead of calling Jesus Lord, we go, Lord, I'm going to make a bargain with you. Just get me out of the ticket. Just help, help my financial situation to be better. But it doesn't go so far as to say, Lord, help. Without you, I, I'm lost. Without you, I'm going back to what I was doing before. You see, if you truly get it, then you call Jesus Lord. Amen? Amen? Not just Savior. Savior is good and it's even necessary. But you let him master your life. Otherwise, you're no different than this man. You might be differently speaking words that are blasphemous, but they're nonetheless blaspheming. Because we're all guilty. And we all need a Savior. And if Jesus is a Savior, he'll also be our Lord. But there was another cross, the cross of repentance. You can see that there in verses 40 to 42. They're both robbers, and they both participate in the initial attack against Jesus. This is how wonderful the grace of God is. This is how grateful I am to the Lord for saving me. Because in a lot of ways, None of us are that much different than anyone else. We're just different differently. Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, my problems might not be your problems, and your problems might not be my problems, and scatter that around this room with the multiple thousands of people. You see, we could do all kinds of things like that. We can make our little explanations, but at the end, I'm guilty and you're guilty. The question is, what are you going to do with your guilt? Are you going to acknowledge it? Repentance means to acknowledge and turn around. It means to have the same assessment as God and to do something about it. It's a change of heart that leads to a change of action. And here's where I want you to really focus in in our remaining time. This second thief could do absolutely nothing except repent and call Jesus Lord. Anybody see that he joined a church here? Did he go to Bible college? Did he join a men's study? Did he actually own a Bible? Did he get baptized? Did he tithe? Did he go on a missions trip? 
Did he come forward? I'm making a distinction for a reason here. I think it's wonderful that we do altar calls. It's also completely unnecessary if your heart's right. Amen? Amen? You know how I know that? My Bible. My Bible says so. Because Jesus didn't say, man, I'm really sorry, but you can't go forward to an altar call. And again, I'm for them, by the way. I want to be really clear here. They're a wonderful thing. Public profession of faith is a great thing. But this man's making a public profession of faith while he's hanging on a cross and can't go forward. He will never be baptized. He's not ever going to take communion. He's not going to memorize any Bible verses. You know how we know? Because Jesus said, today, the moment you take your last breath, you will, you shall, this moment, today, be with me in paradise. Amen? And the reason I'm emphasizing this is there's hope for your unchurched family. There's hope for the person that never makes it through a church door. There's hope for the person that you meet on the road that looks like there's no hope for them. There's hope for anyone who will call Jesus Lord. Anywhere and anytime. What this man did do is he repented. He said, Lord, you're right. I am wrong. And if I could do something about it, I would do something about it. So his cross became a cross of repentance. And he said, Jesus, remember me. Remember me. You see, there was a war raging. One thief is calling out to Jesus to come down, and the other is pleading for Jesus to save him. Isn't that the war in our culture today? Oh, you Christians are all the same. You're always talking about Jesus. You're always talking about repentance. You're always, you're always talking about a changed life. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. Matter of fact, that's the only thing I talk about. You see, because that changes your eternal destiny. I can tell you about stock picks all day. Some of you are going, oh, please, please, please do that. But you know what? If you make all the right stock picks and you perish without Christ, it's for nothing. Amen? You somehow end up with the biggest house on the block. You die without Jesus, you're dead in your trespasses and sins. And you're going to spend eternity, which is a very long time, separated from God, without hope, in agony. You see, you're all going, oh man, here it comes again, hell. <laughs> Sorry. The church should talk about hell. Jesus did. Look, that's, that's the choice. That's the choice. 
The choice is heaven or hell. Which one do you want? There's no in-between place. It's not where you're kind of sort of saved. You're not almost saved. Almost saved is also almost in hell. Some of you are going, oh, man. I was banking on that almost saved thing. No, it's in or out. It's broad road or narrow. It's heaven or it's hell. And these two thieves represent the only two choices. They're the only choices, church. And we owe it to other people to not cloud that issue. The church should be the one place where people can talk to us and ask us, is hell real? And we say, absolutely, and you don't want to go there. Not, well, you know, I don't really know. Maybe in the end, kind of God does. Well, he sort of saves like everybody, you know, and after a while, and you spend a bunch of time, and maybe you get reincarnated, and I don't know, but you know, it's just like, I kind of find it hard. I've had Christians look me in the eye. I find it really hard to believe that hell exists. I don't, because the wages of sin is death. Sin is a serious thing with God. And if hell's not real, then could it be that heaven isn't either? It's so weird to me when people will say things like that, and I go, well, how do you know that heaven's real? Maybe everyone goes to hell instead. Sorry, but no, because Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Amen? That's why his cross was the cross of redemption. Truly, verily, I'm telling you, bank on it. It's the truth that the apostle Paul saw when he said, To be absent from the body is to be? Amen? Why do you think Paul understood that? Today, you will be with me in paradise. Not next week, not next month, not after your third go-around of reincarnation. Not after you finally get it right because you've gone to soul sleep and somebody finally prayed you out of purgatory. Can you imagine that God would have a plan of salvation to keep you from perishing eternally in hell and then he would leave the results of it to you? (laughs) Think about it. Or to your family? Your great aunt's uncle's prayer? (laughs) To call Jesus Lord is to have the assurance of heaven today. Amen? Not a guess on my part. I'm banking my eternity on the words of my Savior, who is also my Lord. And he said, writing through the Apostle Paul, for while we were still helpless. I wonder if the Apostle Paul was thinking of the thief on the cross because there was nobody more helpless 
to do anything about his own spiritual condition or situation than the thief on the cross. Amen? While we were still helpless in Romans 5, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's me. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps a good man, some would dare to even die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us, that while we were yet thieves hanging on a cross, while we were ungodly, Christ died for you. Amen? And so just so you know, Jesus said, you called me Lord, today you'll be with me in paradise. Now interesting that Jesus would use that word at that time because paradise is exactly where he would go. He didn't actually say heaven. He said paradise because at that time Jesus had not risen from the dead. And so you couldn't go straight to heaven yet. You could go to Abraham's bosom, which Luke 16 explains it if you want to read it later. But they were going to go visit Abraham and Isaac, David. They could go for a three-day journey, kind of like, you know, it's almost like Gilligan's Island. The weather started getting rough and the tiny ship was sauced. Not for the cross of Christ. They would have all been lost. Amen? You can kind of see the correlation there. For three days, they would go to paradise. And then when Jesus was raised from the dead, can you imagine the party that was thrown in that side of the place of the dead? Called Hades at that time. When they were set free. When Jesus came out of the grave... And here's this thief, along with Moses and Elijah and David and Abraham, Ezekiel, all the faithful dead up to that point in time, they're all going, yes! You can have that same exact understanding today yourself if you don't have it. That's why Jesus, when he was speaking to the disciples in John 14, said, do not let your heart be troubled. Don't do it. Why did he say that? You believe in God, believe in me also. Jesus was going to do something that God the Father up to that point had not yet done. God incarnate in human flesh was going to die on a cross. And Jesus, in light of understanding that, said to his own disciples, in my Father's house are many dwelling places. And I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, you may be also. But he was speaking to his disciples, those who believed in him, those who'd called him Lord. And he said, if it were not so, I would have told you, but I go to prepare a place for you. So that today, if today's your last day, if today's my last day, if today is everyone's last day, 
in him, if Jesus is Lord, then it's also your first day in heaven. Amen? Would you stand and we'll close in prayer. And I want to simply remind you, there are lots of ways to commit your life to Christ. Coming forward is a good one. Standing right where you are and acknowledging Jesus Christ as Lord is another way to do that. There isn't a way in the Bible that says it's one way or another way, but there is exactly one way as far as the person, his name is Jesus. Maybe someone here needs to do that today. And so let's bow our heads. For those of you that already know the Lord, please be praying for those that perhaps don't. And if that's you today, if you're here today, and you don't know that you're going to heaven, but you want to know you're going to heaven, I want you to stick your hand up right now. I see that hand. I see that hand in the back. I see that hand in the back. I see those hands in the back. Anyone else? Raise your hand. You're crying out right now, Jesus Christ is Lord. And we're going to pray with you. I'm going to pray for you. Anyone else? Just raise your hand. Anyone at all? Don't miss the opportunity. That thief was going to take his last breath, and you are going to take your last breath as well. And if you take it without Jesus, you'll be lost eternally. I see that hand in the very back. Two hands there in the very back. Hallelujah. Those that have raised your hands, would you just simply pray this simple prayer with me? Dear Jesus, I confess that you are my Savior and Lord. I thank you for forgiving my sin. And I'm asking you to write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. I promise to live my life for you forever. Thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for giving me eternal life. I commit my life to you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.